All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. All right, I have very happy Father's Day to each and every one of our fathers out there today. Today is obviously a special day and we honor all of our fathers, especially our fathers who are really digging into the task of honoring God with their lives and not only honoring God with their lives, but teaching their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so today we actually have as a very special guest speaker who has been a very important person to me personally, to our family, and to really our church life as a whole. Uh, his name is Pastor Taylor Stewart, and for many years he was the lead pastor of our sending church in Durham, North Carolina called Kings Park International Church. And while there, he was acting himself as a father figure, a mentor, a spiritual guy, even in my life as I learned to grow in the knowledge and grace of God. And so even as he's been a spiritual father to myself and many others, um, he's been a church planter, uh, not only in uh, the city of Raleigh, North Carolina, where he's a lead pastor now, but also in uh, the Asian Pacific nations of Guam and Saipan. He's been a part of extending the kingdom of God literally worldwide. And so with that in mind, we're going to hear from him today a very special Father's Day message. So would you welcome with me, Pastor Taylor Stewart. Good morning and happy Father's Day. So wonderful to be with you, Second City Church. This is just pure joy for me to be able to come and be a part of your service today and uh, to be with two of our favorite people, Pastor Rollin and B. Fisher. We so love them so much and just really so proud of them and Cole and the team and everything y'all are doing there at the church. But what a joy to be here on Father's Day. This is a very meaningful uh, holiday to me uh, for some personal reasons, but I'm just trusting there'll be a part of the heart of God that'll transfer to you today and our few minutes that we have together today. But I'm just so grateful that I was invited by Pastor Rollin to come and to share with you all. But first of all, I just want to brag on your leaders and I want to brag on your pastor. Pastor Rollin, in my opinion, is just totally exemplary in all of his ways and his humility and his teachableness and his character and his fear of the Lord. I really esteem and love this man. And uh, it was hard to see him go, but Chicago needed the gospel and it was just um, a great privilege for us to sow Rollin and be to Chicago. But uh, I would say about Rollin, he reminds me of Nathaniel, one in whom is no guile and just quite remarkable. Uh, I even remember one time where we brought in a, uh, a leader that was going to take our staff through the strengths finders. And I remember the themes that Rollin portrayed were just so over the top in view of leadership that the administrator was just shaking his head just about the leadership themes that Rollin portrayed. So anyway, just so glad to be with you today. And also, B, you truly are a mother in Zion, and we just esteem you for walking in distinction and honor. 
And so I just want to encourage you, Second City Church, that you truly are blessed to have stellar, stellar uh, leaders in your life. And I know that you know that. And uh, again, you're doing a great, great work there. So again, happy Father's Day to everyone. Um, we have an amazing Heavenly Father, and I think you all would agree that regardless of our experience, ideal, or less than with our earthly fathers, we have one in heaven who truly models a father's heart. And that is so important to us. And it's so securing to us to have a God who cares, to have a God who's benevolent and merciful and gracious and who is faithful to his word. I mean, the attributes of God that make him God are indeed remarkable. So we have this amazing heavenly father that models the heart of true fatherhood here on Father's Day. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and he said, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I like that salutation there. I, I like that beginning introduction there. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And do we realize, church, that we too have been baptized into the family name, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? We are in the family. You know, Jesus himself taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he addressed him as Father. Even in our historic creeds, in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father, almighty maker of heaven and earth. And as the worship song declares, you are a good, good Father. That's who you are. And so you can do your own study on the fatherhood of God and the father heart of God. It is truly rich with tenderness and with protection, compassion, provision, and even care. He is a good father. There's no shadow of turning in him. There's no variation or shifting shadow. We don't have to stand at a distance and wonder what's he really like. Is he truly good and benevolent? Maybe we had an authority figure in our life that did not model that in a right way. But the biblical God, the God of Scripture, and thank God that we have definition through the Word of God that will portray His character, His purpose, His intent, and we can be safe knowing that He is a good God as He is a good Father. And He chooses to use a family paradigm to convey his nature and his intent concerning us. Um, coming off Easter, our own church, we looked a bit at the uh, two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus walked with them and how he went the extra mile. It was about a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. But he entered that journey with them and he walked with them, probably under the heat of the day, and he took time with them. He took time with them. Sometimes we just kind of want to blow and go, but Jesus walked 
with those two disciples and they were perplexed and they were vexed about what had just recently gone down. But oh, our Jesus, he went the extra mile. He took time with them, reasoning with them through the scriptures. And then their hearts began to burn. And that's what happens when we get around an amazing God and a benevolent father. Our hearts too will begin to burn with holy affection. Again, God doesn't just blow and go. He is a people God, and I'm so grateful for that. He is a people God. He's in the people business. He is the one who is there. He's Jehovah Shammah, the one who is there. He's ever present. And likewise, our Jesus he is our Joshua standing in the middle of the Jordan, just waiting for everyone to cross. He's waiting for everyone to pass through. That's the heart of a shepherd. That's the heart of a father. I'm going to be here until everyone passes through. And you see, in this hour, God is building a family. And oh, how he loves the masses. And he wants everyone to be a part. And he extends that invitation that those who believe can be a part of the family of God. I cannot imagine why anyone would not choose to respond to the grace extended to them to be a son or a daughter of God. But God is building a family, and it's a family of affection. And he wants his kingdom full. And his desire is that none would perish, but that everyone would come to the knowledge of the truth, that everyone would come to repentance. He wants his house to be full. So I want to pivot and just encourage us how we might take on characteristics as believers, the same characteristics we see in our Father God. How might we embody these characteristics as well to have real genuine lasting impact in the earth and fruit that remains and truly genuine influence? The Apostle Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.10, he said, You, Timothy, however, know all about my teaching and my way of life. And I appreciate that additional section there. Timothy, you know all about my teaching and my way of life and my way of life. It's one thing to teach. It's another thing to live what you teach. And he's basically saying, Timothy, you know it, you've seen it, you've observed it over and over again, time and time again, my teaching, but also, and this is key, my way of life. My teaching, yes, that's important, but also my way of life. I think it might be easier to teach than to model. And so here there's a qualifier on this way of life, I think, that's important for us because our teaching and our way of living, they need to be congruent. They need to be synonymous. And in this, they are, as Paul was conveying this to Timothy, because it's, it's possible that one might teach truth, but might not truly live truth. We all know that's possible to teach truth, but not live truth. And that's why I appreciate the marriage 
in this epistle. I appreciate the coupling together of these two things. Did the psalmist, did the psalmist not say that God desires truth where? In the inward parts, through and through. God desires truth. We don't want to be veneer believers. He desires truth in the inward parts. And I love that. And I appreciate that. You know, in every nation, there's an emphasis we have on discipleship. And I personally believe that one of the most powerful premises of discipleship and influence is modeling. I think one of the most powerful things we can do in the name of discipleship is modeling how we live our lives. In other words, the power of example. The power of example. Again, teaching can be the other part, or can be the easy part, but modeling is a whole nother bird. Teaching can be an easy go-to, but modeling, it's like Thomas Akempis, the ancient mystic, said, many a man commends patience, but few are willing to suffer. It's one thing to declare it, and we need declaration, we need proclamation, but we also need good living. We need good modeling. We need the power of example because there are many eyes that are watching and observing. So Timothy, you know about my teaching and my way of life. Timothy, you are to teach, yes, but also live well. Live well, Timothy. Live well. Be the embodiment of your doctrine and your belief. I mean, are we not all God's epistles read by all men? Of course we are. And the power of example cannot be underestimated. Yes, people listen to our words, but I tell you, they, they watch our lives. I mean, there are eyes everywhere. They're watching and they're watching more than we might know. And people, they're more perceptive and they're more discerning that we might think. People are watching our lives. Is there consistency? Is there authenticity? I know that's the cry of the millennial generation. Is it authentic? They can hear our words, but is it hollow or is it backed up by a life that models the very teaching we proclaimed? So see, this is the nature of God. He's consistent. Uh, he's true to his word. He's faithful to a thousand generations. You know, we know that all of his promises are yes and amen. And two, our yes is to be yes. Our no is to be no. So that we can be found trustworthy in this generation and in this age. So Paul went on in the text to describe his purpose, his faith, his patience, his love, his endurance, his persecutions, and even his suffering. And he exhorted Timothy in verse 14 in context of evil men, imposters, and deceivers. He said, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it, namely Paul, plus Timothy's mother and grandmother. 
you know from those whom you have learned it. So Timothy himself had the power of example in his life. He had the power of example in his life. And I think it gave him a step up. I think it gave him a step up in life. I think it created some acceleration in his Christian pilgrimage because he had good modeling. He had the power of example right before him. And the power of example and a life well lived preaches more loudly than we could ever imagine. You know, Paul was so confident he would say, follow me as I follow the Lord or imitate me as I imitate the Lord. In other words, he was confident in by grace, his walk in God, that he could say, as I follow him, you can look upon me and how I live. And you can imitate those things that are of the Lord. So Paul, he felt fairly secure about how he lived his life. You know, it's interesting that when you read about kings and scripture, you read a lot about what they did. But when you read about priests, many times you read about how they lived and how we live speaks volumes. So yes, good teaching. Amen. Bring it. Preach, teach, instruct with all authority. Amen. Good teaching, but a whole lot of good living. Good teaching and a whole lot of good living. Modeling the power of example. Paul told the Corinthians, make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. And once Paul also declared that he only preached that which Christ had done in him. Can you imagine that? I only preach that which Christ has produced and worked in me. I mean, we preach principle all the time, but he was faithful to live what he declared. Truth was incarnational for Paul. He wanted it to be for young Timothy as well. He wanted it to be real. In another place, in another letter, in 1 Timothy 4, 16, Paul told Timothy, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Again, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. That's interesting. You will save both yourself and your hearers. And your hearers. Watch your life and doctrine, because the two of those, and however congruent they are, will have impact on the hearer, the ones watching us, the ones listening to us, observing us, even the little ones. You know, it's interesting. You just wonder, how did the little children instinctively know they could just jump up in the lap of Jesus and he would receive them? but I doubt they felt that welcome and that instinct from the Pharisees. There was an X factor beyond what Jesus taught, but also just the essence of who he was. They could taste and pick up his character. There was 
an inviting presence. There was a purity of spirit that they knew they were loved, that they knew they were welcomed. So we preach one thing, but the essence of us also communicates and conveys a message as well. Sometimes we can hear someone preaching something, but we don't taste that at work in their lives. And that's why we want this marriage as we're talking about the father nature of God and how we too can emulate his character before the world. Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine. Be incarnational about what you believe. As you'll remember, Jesus was the word made flesh. So the power of modeling, the power of example, as we've mentioned God uh, being a father, Paul, the apostle Paul, he too was a father, a spiritual father. And you know, with all the eight keys and 10 steps and this formula and that antidote, et cetera, et cetera, of packaged materials that can all be good and well, yet Paul, speaking to his spiritual sons and daughters, said, you have many teachers, tutors, instructors, but not many fathers. I have become your father in the Lord. I mean, wow, what a weighty statement. It wasn't arrogant or boastful. There was self-awareness there that many blow and go, many come and leave, many will share truth at a distance, but I have become a father to you. You've had many guardians, many tutors, but I have modeled this. I have embodied this. Some think of Paul as being somewhat austere and aloof, but he uses tremendous affectionate language in his letters to the churches. I mean, he'd say, open up your hearts to us, even as we have to you. We're not holding back from you, but you to us. And I tell you, he was a sap for love and for the churches and for the well-being of, of young converts and wanting to know that they're doing well and we are praying for you and we have made mention of your name before heaven and I can't wait to send, you know, this assistant to you. I can't wait to send, you know, Timothy or Silas. I can't wait, you know, to hear how you're doing. Oh, the heart of a father in him. I so appreciate that about him. And so he said, you've had many teachers, but not many fathers. You see, one is the transfer of mere information, whereas the other is a shared life. One is merely the transfer of information, whereas the other is a shared life. And it secures you and it produces safety. And again, that sense of authenticity. I really believe you'd lay down your life for us. And isn't that what shepherds do for sheep? Isn't that what genuine friends do for other friends? There's no greater love than this. A man lay down his life for his friends. You can feel it. You can taste it. It's this X factor of, wow, this is real. This is weighty and good stuff. I feel safe. I feel valued. I feel empowered. Oh, it's so wonderful. And of all the teachers 
I must say in my own life and of all the instructors and conferences and seminars, et cetera, et cetera, in my life, I really have to say that no one carried the influence in my life that my parents did, imperfect or perfect in all. They had genuine influence and together with or regardless of our upbringing, ideal or not, we get to look to a heavenly father as defined by scripture. And we get to model and then download his heart for others. And you know, you can think here on Father's Day, maybe whatever was not done for you, you can determine, bless God, I'm going to do it for the next generation. You know, maybe what I didn't receive from a parent or an authority figure, I'm going to work up a head of steam to ensure that I impart to the next generation what I've received from my Heavenly Father. So we can get all that we want from Him. I mean, get in, the getting is good, and then model it. And you think if, if leadership is influence, according to John Maxwell, then what about godliness being the chief characteristics? I mean, godliness, being like God, being a carrier of his essence, modeling his character, his humility, his integrity, his truthfulness, his steadfastness. Oh, I want godliness, the essence of God, being like our Father. Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, as you know, but a faithful man who can find. Many a man brags on himself, but a faithful, but a true man who has truth in the inward parts, who can find. But I want us to realize today our character is our destiny. Our character is our destiny. Your gifting will take you so far. Many have destroyed with their character what they've built with their uh, gifting, but character will be our destiny ultimately. It will take us the distance and we can reflect God in the earth we are called to. We're called to look and behave like our daddy, our father. Paul said, from what I received from the Lord, I have passed on to you. And I want you and I to be the same. What we have received, this grace, what we have received, this gospel, what we have received, this amazing modeling, what we've received from him, now we want to pass on to others. And Paul was very intentional how he related to and with the churches. Listen to this in 1 Thessalonians 2. Paul said, quote, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Oh, don't you love that? He's not this austere, distant, scholarly theologian. I mean, this is affectionate language. He was a motive here. I mean, he was a bleeding heart, believe it or not. And our God is a romantic. He's the great romantic. And the gospel is a story of romance of God loving people and fascinating our heart and drawing us to him due to love 
And then in turn, we become people of, of affection. And then it's genuinely felt by those around us. It's not dead letter. It's real. It's passion. The reformer Jonathan Edwards said the heart of true religion is holy passion. And oh, I love this. And here, Paul modeled this to the Thessalonians. It goes on to say in this letter, you are our witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. I tell you what, he's expressing a dimension of a leader who wants the people to win. Paul wanted the Thessalonians and the churches to win. And our father wants us to win in life. If he did not withhold his only son, shall he not now freely grant us all things? He's full of affection and full of provision and care and benefits. That's why we're told, forget none of his benefits. I mean, in the atonement and the cross, we are loaded down with benefits. He is a kind, gracious, big-hearted father. He's not a stooge. He's a benevolent, large-hearted, big-hearted God. It's almost too good to be true. And that's why we call it the gospel. And the more we learn about this and the more we download these attributes, the more it changes us internally. I mean, it changes our emotional chemistry. Our whole internal constitution shifts. And then from what we've received, we have the ability to model to others. You see, from what we receive, we, we love others. Why? Because he first loved us. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And so we have something to give away. We've experienced it. We've witnessed it. We've tasted it. Ooh, the getting is good. Come in. The waters are good. And on this Father's Day, we want to say to you, Second City Church, the waters are good. Go as deep as you can in the things of God. As one man said, we can all have as much of God as we want, but he's a loving, caring Papa, Abba, Father. He's so gracious. He's so kind. So thank God we have this example. Thank God we've been given a model. And what a privilege now to be that example. So I just want to pray a blessing over you all on Father's Day. Uh, this is really a, uh, I mean, there have been moves of God that have broken out on Father's Day historically. And I just want to encourage you that in this squirrely year we've been in, this shaking, I just want to encourage you that the shaking is unto awakening. God is fixing to flex his strong right arm, and he's got some powerful things that he's fixing to do. So I want to make sure that I'm in alignment, but I just want to pray a blessing over you that in all of our getting, let's get the knowledge of God and rightly comprehend the nature of God. Because if we do, we'll be full and then we will likewise model this reality, this incarnational reality of our doctrine, of our belief, of our teaching. It's not just going to be dead letter. No, no, we're going to be the embodiment 
and we're going to live it. And there's going to be authenticity and there's going to be credibility in this hour. There's going to be credibility for the gospel and for witnessing and to reach people. So why don't we pray? Lord, I just thank you for this amazing church, Second City Church. Lord, I thank you for this remarkable leadership team that have invested themselves in that city. And Lord, I just pray that in a context of challenging days, that on this Father's Day, there would be an open heaven over the people of God to download greater revelation of who you are as a secure, safe, awesome, benevolent Father. And Lord, I pray that as we grow in the knowledge of that, that we would be determined. I'm not just going to preach this. I'm going to live this. I'm going to live this. Even as Paul told Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. So Lord, I just thank you for all these listening, for the marriage, Lord, of truth, of doctrine, and Father, experiential, practical living. I thank you for the grace to live well as we are all the epistles of God read by all men. May we live well. Let the fruits of the Spirit just bubble forth in our experience in our life. I just pray the love of God, let it allow our faces to shine. Lord, let compassion be real. Mercy, let it triumph over judgment. Lord, may we not be caught up with the world in this fight, this dog-eat-dog fight and conflict and, and all the contention. May we be healers, O oh Lord. May we be tenderized at the heart level, representing you in a right way. So on this Father's Day, I bless them all. I commend them to your care and your leadership. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Amen and amen. So Second City Church, we love you. We're so proud of you. Pastor Rollin and B, y'all are amazing. Y'all have got a great thing going there in that city. We're praying for you, holding the ropes for you. Hope to hear from you soon. God bless you. We're going to continue to talk about these matters this week in our community groups. So if you've not yet found one, please do visit our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you this week, so let us know how we can be standing with you. Do share this link with a friend who needs to be encouraged by the grace of God, and also think about who you might invite next week to our service so that they also might meet the living God in Jesus Christ. We love you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, and God bless you until then. See you soon.